You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. You don't have to start the year on January 1st. You don't have to start your week on a Monday. You don't have to start your month on a, on a on the first of the month. You could go 15 to – there are plenty of rental agreements out there that start mid-month and end, you know, the 15th of the month. There's lots of different ways to play with this. Uh, the, the thing is, is you have to have the courage and the wherewithal and, and the fortitude to kind of say, this is how I treat time, and if I treat time this way, it's going to treat me well or better. That was Mike Vardy founder of Productivityist and frequent guest on the podcast. He joins me today to jam about using energy as the basis of your plans and reflections rather than just time. We also veer into using feelings as a gauge for productivity rather than mere output. Since a key goal of our work is to feel better physically and emotionally, it's important that we're addressing those aspects just as much, if not more, than what we're getting done. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. All righty, Mike. Thanks so much for joining me again. This is what, your third time on the Productive Flourishing Podcast? Used to be called the Creative Giant Show, but now the Productive Flourishing Podcast, right? Yeah. I I always have a great time chatting with you. We chatted for like, what, a half hour before we even started recording? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, that's what we always have to joke about is like, we start and it's like, oh yeah, we actually have some some stuff that we need to record. Um, (laughs) We we can't just be hanging out and talking about whatever we were talking about. But then a listener was like, you totally could just hit record. Um, it sounds better than it, than like in theory, it sounds good, but when you join a sort of ad hoc conversation, it can be really confusing. Um, but nonetheless, thanks so much for joining me. I'm sure we're going to have fun again. Um, and so here we are, you know, we talk a lot about productivity because well, that's what we do. Um, and I think so much of productivity is focused on sort of time and things like that. When I think we both found a lot of traction when we instead focus on energy-based productivity, or at least using energy as a lens to make better plans, um, to make better commitments, to make, you know, um, better to-do list even. Right. And so, um, you know, we're, we're in, I'm going to preface it this way. So we're recording this mid-ish November. And so, we are really into the fall cycle of things. You know, Mike is from Vancouver. I'm from um, Vancouver, Canada. I'm from Portland, Oregon. And so the fall has hit us really hard here, right? In the sense it's not super, well, it's not cold yet. It's just been gray, right? Yeah, and it'll be gray till May. It'll be gray until May. Yeah. And so I'm already thinking a lot about energy-based productivity because I'm like this this yellow orb that provides us energy, like it hides from us for... <laughs> For a little bit, right? You can always tell people who are from the Pacific Northwest because when the sun comes out in the fall or winter, like everything stops and you run outside. Right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's like the sun, it's back. Um, especially, um, so if you're from California, like make that like three times as terrible as it sounds, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, inside joke there. But, um, but, you know, the sun is, is an energy source for us, right? And it affects the different ways that we make plans and show up in the world. So, um, Mike, you slid this out. I was like, Hey, let's talk about this. So where do you want to go with this one right now? Well, it's funny because you talk about like, I mean, the sun is, is, you know, obviously where we live. Yeah. The sun hides for basically four to five months of the year. And then we, we soak it all in when it's around. But I'm, you know, one of the things that I've always found is that 
for me, the the night is when I'm actually able to kind of dig deep into the deeper work. Um, and I think this has to do with, you know, um, I think there's obviously we, we have a, a circadian, you know, cycle that we we're kind of born with and it evolves. There's this great book by Dr. Michael Bruce called The Power of When. I think I've even talked about it before on, on, on the podcast, but it talks about like, you know, how your ideal day should go based on your your sleep cycles and your circadian rhythm. But I have always found that once we hit, you know, the like the two o'clock in the afternoon onward, that's where I see my energy levels going up, which is why we're just like, I'm starting to ramp up right now as we're recording this because we're recording this in the early afternoon. And I think this has a lot to do with me around, and I think for anybody around the certain certainties that you have based on the time of day. So for example, uh, I'm better at night because I know that my kids are in bed. My wife is asleep. Uh, it's, I'm also in the Pacific time zone. So everybody in the world is asleep that I would be dealing with. So there are no interruptions. So my brain, you know, subconsciously says you can get really deep work done and not be interrupted. Um, and, and I've always kind of been that way. And then I use the morning time, uh, I actually feed off of coaching clients in the morning. So I'll do meetings with people in the morning because like back when I was doing comedy, the performing for the audience, they gave me energy and then that would sustain me all the way through to the lunchtime period. And then from lunch onward, I would ramp up, but you're the opposite, right? Like you're the, you're, you're, we're polar opposites in that in that regard. Yeah, we are definitely polar opposites. And and what's been interesting is this happens to me every sort of fall sort of season. And I think I've I've nailed it down to daylight savings time, right? Mm. Um, which I fundamentally believe is a stupid it's a stupid mechanism and convention. However, um, this fall sort of daylight you know DST change gives me an hour in the morning, right? An hour yeah. early where, that I don't have to work for it any harder because I've just sat there. And given that I'm an early bird, like, so if I've been getting up at six, all of a sudden I get like a free hour in the morning. So I'll get, get up at five. Um, and, um, so I've noticed that in this, in the fall, I actually switch into what I call my supernova cycle, where I actually get really energetic and productive and creative in the fall, especially. And then Mike, I think we were talking this summer, like in the summer, I have very little ambition. I have very little, like, I just don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, that frog sitting on, sitting on a log on the stream. I'm just like, I just want to sit there all day and do nothing. Right. And so, um, so I think it's partially because I get that, that morning free, but I think it's, you know, I've been thinking about this more, Mike, is that what you introduced in there was this fact of not having to maintain a boundary, Right. right. Um, so in the evening, when you're like up at nine or 10 or two o'clock in the morning doing your thing, everybody's asleep. Yep. Um, so you don't have to intentionally hold a boundary with your work and with your energy. You don't have to like pretend like email is not there because it's like no one cares at two o'clock in the morning. Right. Right. But I think it's the flip side in the morning on um, when you get up early because no one anticipates you to be up at 530 in the morning emailing folks. Right. No one anticipates that you're doing that. And so you have these hours of the morning where you can go, where you can sort of drop into deep work mm -hmm. um, and do that without having to hold that boundary, which you might have to at, you know, nine to three in the afternoon where people might email you and there might reasonably be an expectation that you respond um, and things like that. And so, yeah, um, yeah. It's, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting though, is that, is that I think that the the great thing about the the morning, you know, the professing of being up early and stuff, the boundaries are almost being set 
publicly in these articles and and in in the in the you know how Elrod's Miracle Morning all these about look I'm up early so I can do my stuff and there's an expectation that oh if you're up at 5:30 then I don't expect you to respond not because you're not up but because you're holding space for that for yourself whereas in the evenings there there's no assumption around that most people are just assuming you're asleep so there's no i I remember sitting on a panel once with with hal elrod and you know laura vanderkam and all the people that talk about like what you should do before breakfast and all that stuff and the moderator it was an online um panel and they asked them when they got all their stuff done and then at the end they said well mike what about you because i was the dissenting voice i said i just get it done the night before so it's i mean the night owls the people like me have to be a bit more proactive in that, okay, I need to get something done. And and the great thing is there's tools out there that can make it look like you're up early in the morning. There's lots of that stuff. But I think you're right is that the boundaries, it's almost like you can set the boundaries and say, this is why, and it's okay. It's kind of like airplane. Like I'm going to be on an airplane for the next three hours. Oh, okay. Well then I guess you won't be able to communicate with me for the next three hours. My, I wonder if we're ever going to get to the point, And I don't think we will because we live in this space and, and a lot of people don't where it's like, well, you're up early. So why aren't you responding? Like where it becomes almost that, that reasoning behind being up early gets eliminated kind of like, you know, we're seeing on airplanes where you can get internet now. So, well, I don't care if you're on a flight, you've got email access. Why don't you, you have that? So I think it's about holding those boundaries and making sure that they, they're steadfast and then in the evening, if you're more of a, a night person like me, you may want to think about creating those boundaries anyway, because if you don't, then they, they, if they don't exist, then they can never take hold, which means they can easily disappear. Absolutely. And I don't know, I kind of think of time sometimes, you know, like it's, it's like when you're co-living with people and there are mm-hmm. these common areas where like, if you're in the common area you can be interrupted. People can talk to you. They can do all sorts of things, but there's also other things that at least in most co-living situations you don't do. Like you don't sit there naked. Right. Um, you know, in most co-living situations and things like right. that. So, um, so there's a sort of give and get that you get when you get into these common spaces. And I think that's what we, at a, at a really subconscious level, that's, I think how we think about the work day in many ways. Like there's this mm-hmm. co-living, the shared time space that we live in. And, and during those times, that's when we are supposed to, air quotes, we're supposed to be interruptible and we're supposed to be responding to people and so on and so forth, right? And that's the convention that we all agree to live by. And so I think that's what trips us up sometimes when we go to energy-based productivity and we recognize that actually you're on fire from 10 to 10 a.m. in the morning to 2 a.m. Uh, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. That, that's a really hard time to be on fire because yeah. that's right in the middle of this co-shared time. And, you know, and you no matter to, what time zone you're in, no matter, no matter what, what? Time, yeah, you're, you're just kind of, you know, messed up at that point. Right. Yep. But I know, um, this also another sort of pack Northwest thing, like a lot of people like warm up at 10 or 11 and they're finally ready to do stuff. Right. And then mm-hmm. there they are warmed up right during this shared time, right. Yeah. In which they need to be, they, they have the feeling of needing to be responsive and they have the expectation from other people that they should be responsive. And it's super hard to sink into deep work time, super hard, you know, to unplug right during those times, so on and so forth. So I think that's where, you know, this is why 
I think whether you're talking about the night owl stuff or whether you're talking about early bird stuff, is it like it's we're picking the fringes of the shared time and yeah. saying, I'm going to claim that for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. no one's like, oh, dude, that's supposed to be shared time. No one, no one says that. Right. No, no one says, yeah, no one's saying you better be up at, you know, 11 p.m. And, and we, we expect you to be sharing that with us. There's the same thing with four or five in the morning. And what's interesting is that there are people that say, oh, well, you know, like all these articles that profess being up early in the morning and here's what you could do and things like you could do those in the evening. Like they're not mutually exclusive. You know, when people say, Oh, Hal Elrod savers their thing, you could do those at night. It, I mean, it, you can journal in the morning, you can journal at night, you could journal at both times. I, I'm a big believer that the evening routine is more important than the morning routine for both sides of the equation, because it allows you to wake up in the morning the next day and go, all right, I can hit the ground running. And for people who struggle in the morning like me, it allows me to also hit the ground running because I don't have to, you know, I'm not trying to play catch up. So I, I think that what happens is what, what I think the the interesting thing is, and this is what I think we've, you know, we, we help people do is we say, okay, look, figure out when you're at your best and not at your best and then structure your to-do list and your day around that rather than let that happen, like let that happen to you. So if you're better designed to work in the evenings, um, then categorize your tasks that should fit in that block and vice versa. So that way, when you get those low energy lulls, you're not going, oh, I'm supposed to write this blog post or I'm supposed to do this this spreadsheet. No, you should have something there that says, here's the list that I take on when I'm at my lowest form of energy. And here's the list that I take on when I'm at my highest form of energy. Absolutely. And, you know, we may have talked about this last time, Mike, but either way, I think we did a little bit. Yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm talking about the first things first thing, because I think mm-hmm. people get this confused, right? Because right. they think first thing first automatically means first things in sequence. Right. So the thing that's most important, you do first thing. And mm-hmm. that's not always the case, right? It means during your first energy, right? Yes. During your first sort of thing, that's when you do it. And so, I mean, my first things happen polar opposite to Mike's first things, but they happen during my peak energy time, whereas mm-hmm. Mike's first things happen during his <laughs> peak energy time. And so we can still say, like, we're doing our first things first in that way, but we're not saying, like, Mike has to get up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning and start writing blog posts because that's not his first energy. That's not his no, first No, I'm taking sort of, a really long nap. Yeah, he's taking a really, <laughs> yeah, a really long nap. If you really look at it that way, I mean, think about shift workers. Some shift workers start their day at 10 p.m. and then they end their day at, you know, like 8, 9 a.m., right? And then they go to bed. And I mean, and yeah, that's not ideal. Let's be, I mean, for, for a lot of people, that's not ideal. You, I mean, we are designed to rise with the sun and, and go to bed with the sun. But in some and what I've noticed actually, Charlie, and this has been interesting, is that I used to stay up to like two in the morning, and now I'm noticing that one is kind of where I'm hitting my. So as you age, as you get older, it changes where you may not necessarily be able to to stay up as long. And when you see that, and you start recognizing that. I noticed that instead of me starting at four o'clock to do the deeper work, I'm like, no, I know that I'm going to be tapped out by one. So even though three o'clock is a little bit earlier for me, then it's still something that I, I still grab that list and look at, okay, what are my high energy tasks? Because, you know, as we get older, that shifts. And, and ultimately, you end up being that person that goes, if you were the person that goes to bed at 2 a.m., then you become the person that goes to 10 p.m. 20 years down the road. And you're like, uh-oh, how do I fit all the things in during the day? Hopefully, you have less to fit in by that time. But I think that that the danger is always is we don't 
pay attention to that stuff closely enough. We pay attention to due dates. We pay attention to very quantitative stuff. And the problem with paying attention to too much quantitative stuff is that we miss out on what the qualitative data offers us. Absolutely. And you got to remember that this paying attention to, to quantitative stuff, like the fact that we all have clocks and timers, this is la the last 300 years of human existence. Mm -hmm. Whereas prior to that, and when you really want to go back to some of the you know, creative giants in the past and some of the hyper potential people, like they did not exist under this sort of mechanized, you get up, you eat breakfast at 715, you get your kids to school by eight, you come back. And that, that was not the way we existed. We existed on energy levels. You got up, the sun was up, so you were able to do certain things. But that also mean that you needed to eat because you're about to go work in the field and you needed energy and you couldn't be dragging. And then you'd work for a little bit. And then when you got tired, you didn't eat lunch because it was noon. You ate lunch because you were hungry, right? Yeah. And that might come anywhere from 11 to 2 or maybe not at all, right? Depending upon what you're getting into. And so, um, and I'm not saying you like, we need to roll back ourselves to 300 years ago because we, you know, really do have a lot of good things because of science and technology. But I think we've lost that sort of sense of saying, where am I today? And you know what? It's not, you know, even it's, we're, we're talking at a structural level, but yeah. you could look at a day-to-day -day level and it could be that your kid jumped into bed at two o'clock, you know, in the morning and, you know, you played do si -do all night with, with the kid going and you wake up and where you're normally a morning person, you're just zapped, right? Yep. Um, and instead of being like, well, I got to get my to-do list because it's the morning and I got to do that. The better response actually is, where, where is my energy right now? That was my plan yesterday, right? Yep. Um, that was before I played night footy, right? Yep. And so now where am I and what do I need to do? And you might find that on that day, you become one of those mid-afternoon people, like you finally mm -hmm. get woken up. Or you just might be like, you know what? That time slot, that energy slot that I normally have is gone, bro, right? Yep. And I can't get it back. There's no amount of yep. caffeine, right? There's no amount of, you know, whatever it is that I might do that's going to give me that back. Um, and you got you to gotta make a different plan there. You know, we were talking about when we were in uh, Florida, the, you know, uh, at Market Angels, Think Better, the Better. I remember I talked about getting this Apple Watch and yep. showing it to you yep. right now. And you're like, why? And I, you know what? Uh, it's been a, I guess, a little over a year now since I got, well, not quite a year. I guess we're coming up to a year. Um, and I only really use it as a trigger at this point. So it acts as a trigger. And I really wish and, and that I could trunk it, that I could um, kind of uh, qualify more of the triggers and say, okay, because you can't with this one. You can't say, I only want this type of vibration for these type of contacts and stuff. But what, what this watch has done, which I suspect has happened with Fitbits and others, is it's not made me exercise a specific amount more. Like I can't say, oh, I'm burning X number, but it's made me pay more attention to exercise. And I think that things like alarm clocks, things like to-do lists, things like any type of technology, the whole goal is to make you pay attention to things more, whether good or bad, right? Like you think about it. Um, Netflix. Netflix is great because it allows you to pay attention to specific shows when you want to, not necessarily at the, the time that a broadcast television network would. And but what a broadcast television network allows you to do they, what they do. And I've noticed this with my kids is if Netflix isn't on and we're in a hotel room and they're watching TV and all of a sudden commercials come on. They're not paying attention to the show nearly as much as they're paying attention to the commercials because they're new and they're shiny and they're different. And so I think that that 
what's really helpful is when you find something that can act as a trigger, whether it's, you know, hey, um, I'm going to set an alarm because I know that this is when my energy level will start to drop generally, or I will use my calendar and divide my calendar in half to say high energy, low energy. Anything that you could do that's simple and acts as kind of like that Pavlovian kind of response trigger where you could say, oh, like when I get a, I'll get a, a little wavy thing on my watch that says, you closed a ring. I, you couldn't tell me what I needed to do to close an exercise ring. I don't know what that is anymore, but I do know that I closed a ring and I know that that's important. Um, I've lost weight. I'm running more. It's, it's pushed me in that direction. And if for the 200 bucks I spent on this thing, that's, that's money well spent. Um, but I don't use it for anything else. I could use this for, and we've talked about this. I could use this for a hundred different things, but I only use it for that. And I think that, that again, if you can simplify this process and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to categorize my tasks by high energy, low energy, and that's it. I'm not going to put in here other, like, getting things done contexts or urgent important or none of that nonsense. It's just going to be, can I do this when I'm tired or can I not do this when I'm tired? Like be very binary about it. And that eliminates friction. And when you eliminate this, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a bit of a quote. When you eliminate friction, you have the better opportunity to flourish. Absolutely. Um, so for listeners who are familiar with sort of the time blocking stuff that we talk about on PF, they'll be in the show notes. If you're not familiar, we're talking about the difference between focus blocks and admin blocks, Right. where focus blocks are sort of that higher energy stuff that you can only do stuff there. And then admin blocks is when you can do this other stuff. So that's a tie in there, you know, and. Now you but, said I didn't need this thing, which is kind of fun. Like you were wondering what the need would be. I don't think you'd said you don't need it. No, You're well, very, hold on. Yeah, so yeah. we we got to pause. So Let's go you, you got to tell the full story because we've been joking about this on Twitter for a long time, right? And so we Mike joked about the iPad and stuff too, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But but seriously, the way Mike told the story, and you, he may he may have revised the story since then, right? The way Mike said the story is like it went on sale and he bought it, right? This is a very true and. It was at a store that I could not get it at in, in Canada. Yeah. So there's that too. And so, so the first thing that I'd have heard in that is like, okay, so it was on sale. There's this thing that like has been sort of sexy and you bought it just because it was on sale and it was an opportunistic buy. And so most of my questions were like, but what do you actually need it for, Mike? Because right. from my perspective is more accidental consumerism or aspirational consumerism of like, there's this thing that he wanted. It was finally on sale. He bought it. This is true. This and is so true. That's, that, that's that, a good, yeah. That that's that it could be couched that way for sure. And Absolutely. So, but but to come full circle, I'll probably be buying an Apple Watch in the next couple of weeks to replace my phone. But right. um but the technology has gotten there so that it can replace your phone. You don't have to have your iPhone anymore. And I right. you know, to technology's point, the reason I'm I'm making or I'm considering making that decision is because I spend more time than I would like inhibiting the use of this computer in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't want to be waiting on the bus and check an email and like I have to set up so many protocols to keep me from doing those damn things. Yeah. And I'm like, if I had a device that did the thing that I just wanted it to do, then I wouldn't have to worry about all the rest of this stuff. I would do mm -hmm. something else more intentional. Um, but back to your point, Mike, um, you can think of some of the triggers like an alarm going off. You can think of, um, you know, sort of technology prompting. You can also think of a trigger of I'm hungry. Right. Yeah. As, as a need to shift, or um, if you, you know, for whatever reason, you're starting to develop body pains, right? Mm -hmm. You can see that pain as a symbol of like, wait a second, it's not, the pain is not, oh, it hurts. 
The pain is the trigger that gets me to do something else. So when my back hurts, I get up and stretch. Yeah. Um, a habit that I have now, and I'm glad I have it, is if it's in, if it's before like three o'clock in the three p.m. in the afternoon, and I'm on Facebook, I know that my being on Facebook meant that I was distracted about something else, or for some different reason I felt awkward or I didn't feel good about myself because that's about the only times I go on Facebook, right at that time mm-hmm. of the day. And so it's always a trigger for me. It's like, wait a second, I'm here. Wait a second, what else is going on, <laughs> right? That right. makes me here. Because there are very few times, especially before that certain time of the day, where I'm like, I am consciously willing to go and see what's on Facebook and get my dose of accidental news and, you know, whatever people are complaining about today. Because that's, you know, um, I don't consciously make that choice. And so if I know that I don't consciously make that choice to go to Facebook a lot, then when I'm on Facebook, aside from these times in which I would normally make that conscious choice, I'm there for some other reason. And it's a trigger for me to do something else. Right. And, and, and the thing is, it sounds more complicated than it is. When, mm-hmm. you, when you're explaining it, people are like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. It's not really. You're just going, why am I here? What, what? This was not where I – it's kind of like when you go – when you're in the woods and you're like, here's the map and you go down the wrong – you go down – uh, you, you, miss, you miss the trail. You're like, how did I get here? What, oh, I should retrace my steps and go the other – that's really all it is. It's just our brain loves to, to m- make things – it loves to get in our way. We love to get in our own way because a lot of the time – it's easier to, and I've noticed this too. So what I've done with Facebook is when I'm on Facebook, most of the time what I'm doing is I am saving links of stories that I like. And so when I catch myself on Facebook for too long scrolling, then I'm like, okay, that's not my intention. My intention should be to, uh, and, and I don't go on Facebook to promote very often. I normally do that through third party means like smarter Q or buffer or something like that. So I'm like, I must be here. I must have been here to read these links. And so I immediately go to the save links page. Um, so it's not like it's, it's a huge leap for me to go, uh, I'm leaving Facebook cause my brain goes, well, why? No, you, but you're here. Like, why would you leave? Well, no, I'm here to look at these things, which are still in Facebook and now then I'm one step further away from being in the wrong place because what I've done is I've gone through this feed of of net neutrality stuff and all the other stuff that you people com- like you said people complaining or people promoting or whatever and I'm saying no I've now the saved link feed is almost like my new feed where it's like I have said this is what I want to see and so I go in there and I'm like oh Cory Doctorow talked about how he uses G- I want to how how do I want to deal with that? Um, and, and I find that that's, again, it's the whole idea, and you and I have talked about this, intention plus attention. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what it all boils down to is, what is my intention here? Oh, it's to do this. Okay, how am I going to pay attention to that? Is it through an Apple Watch? Is it through a device? Is it through, like right now I'm using this little thing called a Timular, which I'm going to start using with more people, which is, it's, it looks like an eight-sided D&D die. And I use it to say, okay, right now I'm on an audio interview, so I'll put it, and this is where my time was spent. And if I want to get quantitative data on it, I can. It's really kind of a cool little device. And considering how many devices are out there that can do that and and software, the reason I use software for that is because it, it disappears. Like you don't see it. This is a physical object that I'm literally looking at going, oh, I'm done this interview. Now I'm going to go back and do this. It's I, I, Again, it's about spending time figuring out what works for you and then you know testing those assumptions and saying, okay, yes, this works, this works. And again, back to that energy, you need to, whenever you do something, if, if you find no matter what it is, whether it's focused admin, whatever, you should say how much of energy is mental, physical, all that, you know, 
when should I be doing this? Maybe you should be doing physical energy, like physical workouts when you have low energy so you could build your energy back up. Yep. Because maybe that's not the kind of energy that's inhibiting you. Maybe when you have low mental energy, you need to do Facebook stuff because it's going to feed your mind. Maybe. But only you can answer that. And that's the reason that productivity is so damn personal. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the reason that it's personal. And again, and it fluctuates throughout the days. It fluctuates throughout the seasons, right? Yep. Um, and all of these things are not bugs in the system. They are the system, right? And yep. so I think that's where people get set up and get frustrated because, it, you know, people – Oftentimes, I've been on a riff about this for a while now, they, they conflate clarity and certainty, right? They conflate clarity and certainty. And you can have absolute clarity about when you need to work on what, when you don't need to work on what, and what spaces and, and places you need to be. You can have absolute clarity about that, but have zero certainty about when that comes up on a given day. Mm -hmm. Or you can have fluctuating certainty, right? Um, or you can have certainty without the clarity, right? You can have these different things. And I think what so often people... Strangely, they want the, the certainty, right? Um, and a lot of times they hate the straitjacketing that you get when you get with certainty, right? Yeah, they, they, yeah they, get, they get to the point where like certainty must mean there's no room. There's no room. And that's not, which is why when you talk about your, your, your time blocks, your focus blocks, your min blocks, and I talk about theming your days, people go, well, I can't possibly theme a day or I can't possibly. Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. You mean, it, you may not be able to theme it. Like when people say to me, oh, I'm going to do a theme day on gratitude. I'm like, is that really the best thing for a theme day? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, can you spend an entire day just giving gratitude? Like if you, if you go to a meeting, come out of a meeting, can you do, maybe you can, maybe that, maybe you're into customer service. Maybe that's, I said, but can't like, think about that. So what some people do is they go too narrow. Like you're saying, they go too narrow with, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to focus an entire day on Quora. Okay, well, maybe you should be focused on social media rather than Quora. Maybe that's what it should be because it's a bit broader and you're not going to get stuck because what happens when you get stuck is it's never your fault. It's the fault of the, si the system failed you. Uh, it doesn't work. So you just toss the whole system. Well, maybe it's not the system that failed you. It's maybe what you put into the system because these systems were, I mean, it's, it's, Again, it, it's there's reasons why we have binary choices around these things is because if we had a third, fourth, you've got the paradox of choice, you get the paradox of choice. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a reason why there's only three types of Apple computers or, you know, the president only has one or two types of suits they will ever wear or, you know, um, you know, why minimalism has become such a, a popular thing, because you're eliminating the paradox of choice and choice puts us often in a position of chase. And, and that's not where we want to be. We want to be like, actually, like you said, clear, you know, and, and, and be able to, cause you can be, like you said, you can be uncertain. You can be certain you have a meeting, but you could be uncertain about what's going to happen in that meeting. Mm -hmm. You could be uncertain about the day, but you could be certain that the focus you've placed on that day is this, or that period of time is this. So you have way more control than you'd like to believe, but you have to, you have to be very, uh, you have to you have to be aware. You have to pay attention. You have to. Uh, you, you, it, it's not like you can throw it on autopilot all the time. You have to. Every even <laughs> the best performing vehicles, the best performing humans, they they do maintenance on themselves, and that's all this is. It's all that it all this is, and um, there is something that came up from the earlier part of the conversation, though, that I think is is um, 
is important to bring up because I think you and I both operate with our different polar cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I get up in the morning, I do my creative and focus stuff. I do sort of my self-care stuff. I do all that kind of whatnot. And I, and I then roll into meetings with folks. And right. why that works for me is because it makes me really grounded and I can show up and whatever happens in those meetings, I'm not carrying the sort of frustration and resentment from stuff I didn't get done earlier. Right. On. right. So I can be 100% present because I've done, I've done part of my high value activities when they need to be done. And I don't have to hold on to like, Oh shit, like this, this meeting with Mike, it has to go 35 minutes because I've got this other 15 minute thing that I got to do. I don't carry any of that weight with me. And so I can go into those meetings, super grounded, relaxed, excited, um, and not in that weird place. And Mike, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes yeah. you can get in this weird space where you actually resent the person that you're on the call with Oh yeah. because like you could be doing this other thing that you really want to be doing. But when you think about it objectively, you're like, actually, I really do love talking to this person. I love mm-hmm. this activity. Why am I in this funky, weird space? Well, because I didn't do my thing, right? Yep. And I'm not showing up. But Mike's, I believe, is polar opposite. Like, he can show up and be super excited and everything like that because he knows he's got his space at the end of the day to do his thing, yeah. right? And so whatever happens and, and during often, the day, yeah. And often what I'll do is I'll feed off of what happened earlier in the day. That might like that might show up in my work later in the day. And, and so realistically, like like you're saying, it's it's like even though we're polar opposites – I almost would equate it to, you know, you could always almost say that I get my early stuff done the day before in mm-hmm. the morning. Yeah. So I know that's out of the way and I can wake up in the morning and go, I know what my day looks. I know what my theme of the day is. Oh, look, here are these three or four meetings that I have early on. And then from, you know, whatever time, two o'clock onward, I'm now in because I mean, honestly, we're as we're doing this, you're starting your your meeting period and I'm ending mine. Like when we're, when I'm done, I'm going to be full on into writing and creative mode. And there's a good chance that some of what we talked about here is going to be some, something that shows up in, in something I write or, or whatever later on. Um, so yeah, I, I totally, but, but the great thing is, is that we both get it done. Yeah. Cause it works for you. It works for me. And when I see people saying, oh, well you must get up early in the morning to do this stuff that drives me nuts. Just like it drives me nuts, it would drive me nuts if someone said, well, you have to be, I mean, here's how you become a night owl. I would, like, what? Like, there should be no, it should be, here's how you put a framework in place to support you. Whether it's, what. and the thing, the great thing is, is you and I have been studying this stuff for so long that we know enough about frameworks that we can cherry pick from what we've learned and go, oh, you know, like, you, you might say, okay, well, your focus block can be four hours or it could be two. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it needs to be every other day as opposed to every every day across the board. Same thing with me. I could say, oh, well, you know, what? daily theming won't work for you, but maybe horizontal theming, which is a lot like, you know, focus blocks and the min blocks could be the same. Uh, monthly theming doesn't necessarily work for everybody. either. So you, you get to when you meet enough people and you know that it's a personal process, then you can then you can really dig in and go, ah, oh, you know what? I need to. It's okay. It's okay for me to stay up late. It's okay for me to get up early because this is what I'm doing during that time. Absolutely. You know, one thing, maybe we talked about this last time. I I can never remember. But so Mm. sometimes when I'm working with clients, especially on sort of the planning and sort of productivity and when we're going to get the stuff done, you know, the, the common complaint, especially from entrepreneurs and small business owners and people who have much more control over their time is, you know, I go into Monday and 
I'm automatically crashing into the week and just like from the beginning of the week on, I'm just chasing things one, you know, things over, over and over again. And I'm like, so why don't you start your week on Sunday? Mm -hmm. Right. If that's, you know, you don't have a spiritual tradition that blocks that so and so forth. Like we can make the beginning of the week because we, we live in this sort of dual circular plus linear perspective when it comes to time. Right. And so sometimes people get so focused on the linear one that they can't see that the circular model is just like what you're saying, Mike, is your early, your sort of deep work blocks happen at this period of time, but it's the same freaking circle, right? Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is too, is, is, and you know, I wrote the book front nine, how to start the year you want anytime you want. I don't start my new year on January 1st. I start it September to mirror when my kids are in and out of school. So you talked about earlier how summer is kind of like your low ebb. It's my low, it's perfect low ebb for most people who work in this space because no one really wants to be terribly productive in the summer. But it's also because my kids are home. So I can tell you right now, as we're as we're recording this, I have all of my all of my podcast episodes booked all the way until the end of June and already into September of 2018. We're not gonna record a single episode in July or August because my kids are home. And so when you have that, when you plan, and what's that Eisenhower quote? It's, uh, I find that when going about planning is indispensable, but plans are useless. Mm-hmm. It's, it, if you have a plan, then you can make adjustments. So you could say things like, oh, like, oh, I'm feeling like crap today, so high energy never happened, but the list doesn't change. Like, I'll just move that high energy list to the next time I feel a high energy. And if you're proactive enough, you should be able to stay in front of it. And if you're, And if you can't stay in front of it, that's a sign that there's probably too many things on there in the first place. So, I mean, you don't have to start the year on January 1st. You don't have to start your week on a Monday. You don't have to start your month on a, on a, on the first of the month. You could go 15 to, I mean, there are plenty of rental agreements out there that start mid month and end, you know, the 15th of the month. There's lots of different ways to play with this. Uh, the, the thing is, is you have to have the courage and the wherewithal and, and the fortitude to kind of say, this is how I treat time. And if I treat time this way, it's going to treat me well or better. Exactly. And this is the way that works for me mm-hmm. at this point in time. And so you mentioned earlier, like as we age, some of these things might change. You know, we're, we're two men talking about productivity. And yep. when we look at it, that's an important frame, because if we were um, women who had our hormones changed due to childbirth and things like that, then it, there might be more variations that are not based upon age, it's based upon life events. Or if you've gone yep. through car accidents, like all these sort of things change. And again, the important point back to intention plus attention is to have that trigger that says, you know what? I'm really tired. Like this thing is not working for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Rather than adopting the story that something is wrong with you, something is wrong with like all that you can instead say, okay, something I'm doing is not working. (laughs) What needs to change to accommodate for this? And it could be, it's just today. I'm just super tired today. Okay. What needs to change today? Or it could be that you've been paying attention and every day at three 15, your energy flags or around three year energy flags. Well, right. That's nothing wrong with you that needs to be changed. Maybe that's when you need to put a recovery block in there, right? Cause you mm-hmm. just know that happens and you shift the rest of the day around that. And I really love your point that I me, mean, Mike, both people show up to us a lot of times and they're like, I want to get more done. And what really happens is when you work with us, you get more, you get fewer things done, but they're the right things at the right yeah. time. Right. Yeah. And yep. so the first thing that I'll say, you know, when it comes to strategy execution, like they're like, I want to do all the things. I'm like, you might be talking to the wrong guy. 
Yep. Right. Because I'm not an all the things guy, right? I'm, I'm the, let's pick the right things. Let's pick the right, you know, three or fewer things and focus on doing those ex- absurdly well rather than, you know, keeping up with your current pattern, which is to put 17 things on the list and do three at best. Right. And then have the residue of 14 other things that you half-assed or didn't get to like, yeah. that doesn't work for anyone. I'm not going to promote no. that. Right. Well, and I think the thing is, too, is when you start to map out things like your months and your years, then you could say, okay, this thing that you want to do that's listed today is today or this week or this month. Like, I would love to have my website redesigned now. I would. I'd absolutely love it. But I looked at all of the other things that I want to do, and I said, you know what? How do I make sure that I do it well and make sure – because. Doing a website redesign is not just like a flip of the switch, like there's reconnecting links and all. So I've put down June of 2018 like of the, as the month that I do it. And that means that that's going to get my overarching focus during that month. So I now no longer have to sit and go, oh, man, when am I going to get, oh, I've got this link and all that. I could just put that into that bucket for that month. And then all of a sudden when, you know, middle of May rolls around and I'm starting to say, oh, what am I doing in June? Oh, here's every activity that started in, you know, last August when I was thinking about the website redesign. Everything is here. And now I can make, you know, massive progress on it. But a lot of people, they 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 want to get that stuff done tomorrow. And, and I think a lot of this has to do with when, especially for online entrepreneurs is they see everybody else doing all the things and they want to be doing all the things, but the problem, and even David Allen, you know, David Allen, the, the, the productivity guru says you can, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So the thing is, is just because we say you can't do that, all the things we're not saying you could never do all the things. You just can't do them all at once. You can do, you can do a few things. Well, um, you can do fewer things even better, but ultimately, and again, we, if you define and fu- define your days, you know, funnel your focus, then you can start to make every moment matter more and more because you're giving it that, that energy you're giving it the, you know, you're allocating your tasks to the right places and, and the right, you know, the right sphere. Uh, it's too many people are trying to, to get as many things done as possible because they equate productivity with how many things did I do? And do you remember all the inventions that Da Vinci made? Do you remember all of the the laws that so and so passed? You're, no, you remember very specific ones that people did. You know the the kind of those legacy building ones. So I mean, I know we're going off a little bit here, but I think that the key is is we we don't time is that resource that we have, and it's the only one like we can't earn it back. So invest it, spend it wisely. But know that you don't just have like the, the old adage of do, you know, put off today, don't put off today what you could do tomorrow. I think that's false. I think in some cases you need to put off things to tomorrow or the next day or the next month because you're not equipped to do it yet. So, you know, I think we need to have a bit more of a perspective on that than just let's go, go, go fast, fast, fast now, 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 because that just leads to burnout and disappointment and and less than stellar outcomes along the way. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about hunting things in the future, a lot of people will confuse that between procrastination. And, and the chief thing yep. is procrastination is when you punt things and you don't know why you punted them. <laughs> right. Or, or you punt them and don't put them in a place where you could refer to them later. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, what I wanted to add in real quick. So Mike mentioned punting the, the website until June and then having a bucket. I knew he was going to say bucket and that's where things go because mind share and things like that. Cause I was like, and then you have a bucket, right? Um, 
that's actually a really good way to fight bright, shiny objects. I'm just going to say that real quick, because like, if you focus on the now and getting everything done, everything that everybody else is doing is something that you, you absolutely have to do. But when you start dropping those ideas in the bucket and then you look at that bucket in May and you half of the things you don't even care about anymore, right? Um, only half of them are relevant in some sense. And you realize that technology has prevented that 15% of them, of those that matter, aren't really viable anymore or useful or there's a better way you end up with this really small list of things, right. Um, that just, you know, having it in there, um, makes it such that time and that, in that essentially that idea garden will, you know, bury the things that don't matter and the things that do matter will grow. So when you start that project, you're starting from this really cool, grounded sort of, you know, captain and commander space as opposed to this, Oh my God, what's going on? Like I got to do all the things and I got to get this plug in and then, Oh yeah, Pat Flynn did this. And then, Oh yeah. Then I was watching Mike Marty. He did this cool thing. And like, it's easy for you to get your wheel spin yeah. wheel spinning. And you know, the other thing, anyone touching a website, whether it's a new website or a rebrand guys, it's like a two quarter project. Seriously. Right. It's not something that you can get done in, in a month. Right. Unless you're making a real prototype site and you know what you're doing and you can do that. Just plan for that to be longer. Cause that's the other thing that people do. Um, but what I wanted to pull back though, is where we're going back to the energetic thing. Like we're, we're thinking about doing a website refresh too. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's mid November. And I was looking at that. And I was like, yeah, no, we're not going to start that in December. We're not going to start yeah. that in November. That's, that's ludicrous. Right. Because of all the different people that it touched. And then you have a half broken site when half your team is on holiday and then you're like super frustrated. That's just an, asinine. But the other thing to think about is I wouldn't punt. I Charlie wouldn't punt it until June because I know with the website project like that, it's going to require a certain level of energy and ambition and, and get to itness that I'm not going to have in June. Right. <laughs> I am right. not going to have that in June. I would pump it. Charlie would bump it until September. Right. See, see now here's the interesting part is that for me, June is the last month I have of energy because my kids are still in school. So it's like, and, and when you, and you mentioned, I love how you mentioned it's like a full, like a one quarter project at the very least, like three months, I start my year in September. So if we start it in June and we hit the ground running and then July and August are lo- like, I would imagine that over that 90 day period, we're going to, and, and the great thing is, is there'll be no announcement. I'm not going to say, Hey, no, September 1st, we're launching it because the other, the other benchmark for me is November and I call it November. So if it's not ready in September, then I know that November is the time we'll probably launch it or January. But the nice thing is, is, and the other thing about this, which I think is important to mention too, is that if you let, if I put that on my calendar in June and someone says, Hey Mike, I want you to be part of this virtual summer. Hey Mike, I can say, I could decide. No websites there. Can't do it. Like it gives you, it gives you ammunition for those no's that you might not otherwise say, because if you don't map that far enough in advance and, and I mean, I'm mapping when, when, I mean, I start my year in September. So this, this calendar was up and running in September. People are saying, when are you going to like, Oh, uh, you know, I want to know if you can help me with this. I'm like, nah, uh, February I'm working on speaking. They're like, wow, you're planning that far in advance. Yeah. They're like, why? I'm like, because if I don't, then it's going to, it's going to, top of me. And the more you, the higher you climb, the more you do, the more people are going to want your time. They're going to want your, your space and you need to protect it. Not, not, you don't have to be a jerk about it, but you need to be ruthless in a way that actually makes, you know, makes sense for you. I mean, so if someone was to say to me right now, Hey Mike, can we do a a workshop in February? I'd say, well, I'm speaking in February and I've got these. No, can't. 
and which means I won't do it in March either because I'll need the recovery time. So it'll be like, well, what about April? Well, let me get back to you. And that's the other thing. Let me get back to you. Not a instant yes. But I can see these things and I'm, I'm looking off to the side because I've got my my wall calendar that tells me all this stuff. So I think that that having those plans and having those far enough in advance allows you to say, you know what? No, because this this matters more. And the more you say no against those things, that's then that other things, the website will matter even more because you're raising it up the ladder consistently. So I know in June that we're going to be making, you know, big strides in it. And I know that by September, it'll be good to go because July is self-care month and August is planning month. So I know that we'll be in, in good shape. And for me, and by the way, it's funny when I sat down to do this and I've got a course called the now your action plan course that actually goes through all of this is it, it's not something that took me like five minutes to decide, like sitting down, doing that planning process took me a good four to six hours of just planning out my year. And that four to six hours, the the ROI on that is so massive, but most people don't take the time to do that because they just want to keep cranking the wheel and going and going. You got to make sure you're going in the right direction. You got to make sure you're going in the right direction and you got to make sure that you're giving yourself the adequate time because you know, with, with what, what Mike is saying here is it takes four to six hours. Um, I've, I talked about this on the monthly momentum call this last, this last week, I think, is um, when you're making yearly roadmaps, which is what we're talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. The first one is normally way ambitious and wrong, right? It's just you, you stack too many things in there. You yep. think you can get things done. You're like, oh, I could totally do that website in two months. When you know better, right? But you, yep. you still think you do it. So the first one, you get it down. <laughs> And then the second one, you come back and you get it closer to reality, right? Like, okay, no, I know how long that takes. And, but there's this sort of, um, there's this grieving process, this sort of micro grieving process that happens because you realize you're not going to get to do as much as you would want to do, right? Yep. And then by, by the time you get to that third one is when it starts to get closer to what you can actually do and you're confident about that and you recognize at that point and, and the, the weight of that is that by the time you've let go of all these other things that really matter to you, because this thing that you said, the website for Mike, right? This thing is so important that it has to be put on there and beat other things out. When someone brings you something else that doesn't matter as much, you're really gonna fight. For, you're really gonna fight for the thing you put because you already had to let some other things go that you really cared about, right? Mm-hmm. It's like no, like dude, I'm not writing the book right then because yeah. I'm doing this project, and this, I, I agree that this project is more important. I'm excited about it, but you can't just bring me anything and have me displace my month, right? Um, like I, I did too much work for that. And so it gives you that, but it also, it gives you the ammunition to say no, but it also gives you the clarity to say yes, because yes. the plan is always meant to get you to a certain place. Mm-hmm. Right. And if someone came to Mike and they were like, Hey Mike, you're like, we've got this major conference that we're doing or this major thing that would really get Mike's attention. That's something that he's actually been building all these plans to do. And they just show up two years early and give it to him. You know, I would imagine Mike is not going to say like, Nope, sorry, February, I'm doing the speaking thing. Yeah. He'd probably say, you know what, actually this is something that I'm willing to bump this other thing for. Yep. Right. Um, and so yep. it also gives you the clarity to say yes to, which is a really important thing. Absolutely. And, and we don't, I know we won't get to talk about this very much, but I can tell you, I journal every single day to make sure that I keep on track, not just for the, you know, are my daily themes working, but are my month, like how far have I gone? And if you're struggling with that energy stuff, like 
put in a journal entry saying, how was my energy today? When, when did I feel great? When did I not feel great? And you start to get, see patterns and, and that, that five minutes that you take to journal can, again, that ROI on that is going to be massive if you do it consistently. And, and I have to say, it's one of the biggest things that people don't do when it comes to, you know, managing, you know, their time and being productive is reflecting on what, the moment at like that day because, oh, well, I saw what I did in my day planner or my task app kept track of it. That's great. It keeps track of all the quantitative stuff, but not the qualitative, not how you felt doing it, not, you know what? I did that blog post for that website and they didn't promote it at all and I won't do it. That, that didn't show up in the task list. All that showed up was you finished that, that blog post and sent it off. So I think journaling puts that qualitative component in there so that when you are planning and mapping and, and, and for, you know, future proofing yourself, you could say, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore or I'm going to do it, but I have conditions or, or so on and so forth. Yeah, I so agree. And so that's where on the journaling side of things or on the, on the reflecting side of things, add two line items, however you do this, mm-hmm. how did I physically feel and how did I emotionally feel? Right. Because you're not this mechanistic robot that we can go in and observe and be like, oh, well, it it functioned under parameters X, Y and Z really well today. And so maybe we should optimize. No, like you're this living, (laughs) breathing, feeling thing that that's what we're actually trying to optimize for. Right. Mm -hmm. We're trying to optimize for positive feelings or at least growth oriented feeling like emotional feelings. And we're trying to optimize for feeling physically good. And so if what you're doing is making you feel physically worse and emotionally worse, do something different, right? And it might not mean quitting your job and starting something completely, but you got to start changing that daily pattern or what you're doing to today's because as Ann Dillard said, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives, Yep. right? And if your daily level of energy, your daily level of emotion and so on and so forth is not fueling you, we have to understand what is it, how does this lead to something else later on down the road? that's going to fill you up and what's that tie. But again, add those two line items. How did this physically make me feel? And how did this emotionally make me feel? And, you know, with this sort of intention of optimizing and making both of those more positive. Totally agree. Totally. That was, this is like a masterclass we just did. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. And as the guest for today's um, podcast, Mike, you get to leave our listeners with um, a invitation or a challenge, depending upon which one resonates with you, which which of that. So based upon what we've talked today and talked about today, what would you leave our listeners with as a challenge or invitation? I both invite and challenge uh, you to start organizing your to-do list by energy level, by categorizing. And you can do this on paper just by creating like a up arrow or a down arrow. Like this task is up arrow. This That tells you whatever shorthand you need. Or if you're using a task app, just use a tag or a label. Like there's lots of ways to do this. But start to use that instead of working by project all the time, which is how we're designed, like how we've been taught to work. Work by the way that our brains are actually more wired to design, which is by like, where am I or what, like contextually or by mode. But use that energy because uh, when you start doing that, you're going to start to see that you're able to do a lot more with, with frankly, a lot less. Mike, thanks so much for joining me today. It's always fun to riff with you and I look forward to the next one. Thanks, Charlie. Really had a great time. All right, listeners. So you heard it from Mike. 
for the next week, look at your task and sort them by energy. Like when would be a really good time for you to work on these based upon the energy that you have then. And I'm going to, I'm going to sneak in one when you're doing your reflection, again, add those two line items of how it emotionally make you feel or it physically made you feel and use those as lenses for determining what you should do in the following on week until next time. Stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.